Welcome back to the Self-Care Keto Podcast. I am your host, Jess, and I'm offering you a magical experience to help you release the weight from your body and your soul. Today, we are going to be talking about when your partner is afraid. In other words, when your partner seems to be unsupportive of you in whatever goal you're trying to achieve, but let's narrow in here on you changing the way that you're eating. This is something that I help my clients with all the time. It is very normal and you're not alone. And it is a huge obstacle when you feel like you have an unsupportive partner. For some people, it is such an obstacle. It feels like such an obstacle that they don't even start, that they feel like they must have the support from their partner in order to do anything new. And it just completely crushes them and holds them back. For other people, they start doing something new and every time they feel resistance or a lack of support from their partner, it throws them off course. And either way, it is very sad, very hard. Even if you're the type of person that you have an unsupportive partner and you just keep going no matter what, it's still sad and it's still very hard. And I have been there too. I help women navigate this all the time and it's been coming up a lot recently in my work with my clients. And so I thought to myself, Let me do a podcast episode about this because I know it can help so many people to start to share some of the information that I do share with my clients that is really, really helpful. So the first thing that I want to say is I titled this episode very intentionally, When Your Partner's Afraid, instead of When Your Partner is Unsupportive, because, and I really want you to set this deep into your mind, whenever your partner is unsupportive, they are actually just very afraid. And if your partner is male, they probably will not admit to that right? because they're very strongly conditioned not to share emotions in general, but also not to admit when they are afraid. Um, But when your partner is unsupportive or resistant, they really are just afraid. They're afraid of not having their needs met. And we're going to talk through a lot of specifics about what some of those things could be. But I also want you to remember that it's the same as when you are resistant to your own dreams or when you are unsupportive of yourself or critical of yourself. It's because you are afraid. And fear is not necessarily a bad thing. Fear is a very natural human adaptive response to help you to survive. We all feel it. It is there to serve us. We can observe it. We can practice compassion for it. We can practice gratitude for it specifically within yourself. This is what I help my clients to do. Like anytime you feel afraid, like think about, you know, your inner child, like, oh, sweetheart, of course. Yes. Of course you're afraid. Of course you would be worried about that thing. This is how I talk to my five-year-old daughter. Today was the first day of first grade, the first day of public school. (laughs) And she did so great. Um, And I totally cried as soon as we drove away and I knew she couldn't see me anymore. Like, but we talked so much over the last several days, several weeks that she was feeling afraid. And every time she says, I'm feeling afraid, you know, this is how my parents would have talked to me. There's nothing to be afraid of. Don't worry about it. Yada, yada, yada. Right. Um, But what I try to do is help her to feel all of her feelings. Right. And this is what I try to do with myself. What I try to do with my clients. It's okay to feel all of your feelings. All of your feelings are normal. And I tell her, of course you're afraid. Yes. Every other kid in your class is afraid too. And fear feels like excitement in your body. They feel the same way. And I taught her the word um, skited, scared and excited, you know, at the same time. And she seemed to really, really like that. But, and I tell her, you know, I was always scared on my first day of school and I'm still scared every time 
I'm doing something brand new, to normalize it, to help her to feel compassion for herself and total acceptance of that emotion that it's good. It's okay to be afraid because your fear helps you to come up with solutions, right? So what are you afraid of? Yeah, I'm afraid um, that nobody's going to want to be my friend, that I'm not going to have anybody to sit with at lunch. And so after fully feeling all those feelings and giving her a big hug and like, oh, of course you're afraid. I would feel afraid too. I feel afraid all the time, all of those things. What can we do to solve that problem, right? What can we do if you're worried that you're not going to have any friends or that no one's going to sit with you at lunch. What do you think you could do? And so we talk about like, hey, I'm Elsie. You know, what's your name? Or hey, would you like to sit with me at lunch today? We practice through all of those things and rehearse through all of those things. So when you are resistant to your own dreams or unsupportive or critical of yourself, you're afraid. Your partner is also afraid. And I'm going to teach you through in this podcast how to even hold space for your partner to be afraid. But the only way to do that is first to hold space for your own fears. So this is not a podcast about just calling your partner a jerk and doing it anyway, or even, you know, cutting people out of your life and finding people who do support you. I see so much of that, like trending all over Instagram and TikTok and all the memes and all of those things, like being so intense about boundaries to the point where we're not holding space for the people that we love and just, you know, saying like, oh, just labeling them. Like they're just a jerk. They're unsupportive. Um, you know, that's not real love. And, you know, I, I don't have any space for that in my life. So cutting you out, moving on. And, you know, if you're listening to this and you're not partnered, or even if you are, but there's other people in your life who you wish you had their support, like your mom, your sister, your best friend, whoever it might be, and they're resistant really, it's just that they're afraid too. So you can take this information and use it with anybody in your life who you love and who you care about and you wish that they would be more supportive. Um, but really they're just afraid. Okay. So bottom line is I care about how your partner feels because you care about how your partner feels. Okay. So if it matters to you, it matters to me. And if it matters to you, if anybody tells you to just stop letting it matter to you, that is not helpful. (laughs) that is not helpful at all. That is very invalidating, right? So we want to care that you care about how your partner feels and help you to come up with some proactive solutions of what you can do to navigate this so that it's no longer an obstacle to you putting yourself as a priority for you getting the healing and the growth that you need in your life for you reaching your goals. So this happens all the time. Your partner's afraid Maybe that you losing weight is going to change you or that you're going to take it too far and you're going to get obsessed. I'm just listing out a couple of examples. We're going to go into so many more. But usually whenever one of my clients brings this up with me, my first question to them is this, are you afraid of that? Are you afraid of those things? Are you afraid that losing weight will change you? Are you afraid that you're going to take it too far and get obsessed and to actually deal with that first? So use your partner as a mirror because really all relationships are a mirror for us. What concerns do you know that they'll have? And then first deal with those same fears inside of yourself, even before you try to talk to them about what you're going to do, right? Even before you tell them, Hey, I'm going to start this new way of eating, or I'm thinking about starting this new way of eating, whatever it might be. If you've been in a relationship with this person for a while, you have a pretty good idea of anticipating what their concerns, aka what their fears are going to be. So take out a piece of paper, write down all of the things that you know is probably going to be a concern or an objection from them. 
right? And so I'm going to list out some that I hear pretty regularly to help you get your list started, right? But also just use this as, you know, a jumping off point to actually figure out what are all the things that you have a pretty strong feeling your partner is going to be concerned about or afraid about. So here's, here are some that I hear all the time. So first, I just don't understand why you can't eat everything in moderation. And by the way, oh my gosh, I I think that all of these could be (laughs) an entire podcast episode, right? Um, And I've talked about a lot of these things in past podcast episodes. Um, But for the sake of time, I'm not going to go off on a tangent about every single one of these things, even though I really, really want to. (laughs) But that's one, okay? I just don't understand why can't you just eat everything in moderation? Another one, how is this going to be different than every fad diet you've tried before? Okay, another one we're going to lose some of the things that we love to do together, right? So maybe you guys go get ice cream together all the time. Maybe you guys go get Mexican together. Maybe you have pizza night regularly in your family, like whatever it is um, that they're afraid, you know, we're going to lose some of those things. Are we not going to be able to do those things anymore? Um, Another one, how much is this going to cost? Another one, I just don't understand why you can't just decide to do it and then do it. Why do you need a coach? So this one specifically is like, if you actually want to spend money or make a financial investment somehow in you having like external accountability, um, this is something also that I've talked about quite frequently. Um, so if you're an obliger, listen, go back and listen to um, the four tendencies information I just did a couple episodes ago. Um, and abstainers versus moderators is also a really good one about the thing, like why can't you eat everything in moderation? Okay. Another one. Are you going to get obsessed with this? Are you going to get obsessed with how you look? How is this going to impact the kids? What messages might this send to them about food? That is such a great thing to think about, by the way. Are you going to be judging how we eat? So maybe your partner is like referring to themselves and or your children or whoever else you live with. Are you going to be distant and sad when we're eating something that you can't have? Does this mean that we can't go to X restaurant or eat X food anymore? Are you going to be cooking two and three meals every night? Are you trying to become attractive for someone other than me? Are you going to want to leave me if I don't like that, if I don't change like you're changing? So some of these are things that they might actually say out loud to you. Some of these are, you know, that's what they're thinking and they're saying something else, right? So I included some of those, especially the ones at the end, you know, sometimes your partner might not actually come right out and say, are you trying to become attractive for someone other than me? But you totally know that that's what they're thinking. And they're saying something similar along those lines, even sometimes in a very unhelpful, very accusatory type of way. But all of these things, every one of these ties back to the fear of an unmet need. And so I would ask you for every single one of these questions, first, are you afraid of those things? And to deal with that first. So before you can have any kind of a productive conversation with your partner about these things, you have to clean up your own side of the street on these. And then, and only then you can be a neutral, safe place to listen to your partner and help them process through their fears because you've already processed through it yourself. If you haven't processed through that together, then when they bring that up, you are instantly going to be angry and defensive. And the reason that you're going to be angry and defensive is because you are afraid of that thing too, right? Um, So whatever it is, are you worried that it's going to change you, that you're going to become somebody who you don't even recognize or really like anymore? Do you think that it means that you have to become, you know, vapid and self-obsessed in order to find success? Is that something that you believe? 
Like, do you believe that it's going to impact your kids negatively? That it will inevitably send them the same screwed up messages about food, weight, and body image if you even attempt to get healthy because that's what happened to you when you were a kid and you saw your mom on a diet and you can't see how it could be any different. Are you going to be judging how your family eats, right? If they're afraid that you're going to be judging them, you know, are you? Are you? <laughs> and that's very normal, by the way. You know, it's, it's just part of like normal development, right? That when you get so fed up with how you used to be and you're so angry at all of the lies that you used to believe about food and weight and body image and what it took to be successful and you finally have an awakening, yes, it's very normal and natural to be judgmental towards other people, right? But how are you going to process through that? Are you going to be distant and sad when they're eating something that you feel like you quote unquote can't have? Maybe you need to change your views on that, right? Like instead of you can't, that you just don't want to, or that um, you don't want to have the consequences of that, right? Um, Why can't you eat everything in moderation? Have you processed through that yourself about what that even means? That it's not you, it's not something wrong with you, but it's the food, It's the food that is actually difficult for anyone and everybody to moderate. Like I said, I could go off on a tangent about every single one of these things, but for the sake of time, I won't, right? If you need somebody to help you process through these things, I would love to be there for you, by the way. This is what I do, right? And whether you would like to work with a coach one-on-one, which by the way, I have openings. I would love to talk with you more about that. Just go to theketofit.com and put in a request form for a free call. Um, But also the mindset class that I'm doing this month is called Rewiring Your Brain. And it's all about overcoming self-sabotage by actually recognizing that these are real beliefs that are holding you back. And by the way, every single one of these beliefs is just a fear about having an unmet need and that you can take a deeper look and you can actually overcome self-sabotage by rewiring your beliefs about these things. So if you're interested in that, bit.ly slash self-care keto class. The link is also in the show notes. Okay. So every single one of these ties back to a fear of an unmet need. And if you are feeling defensive and angry, that's classic projection. Like how could my partner believe this about me that I would become a different person that he doesn't like anymore? Try to turn that in on yourself. How could I believe that about myself? Do I believe that about myself? Do I believe that I'm risking my kids? I'm, I'm, I'm potentially going to hurt my kids. And therefore, what, does it, what do I think that means? That means that I'm selfish, right? Do you really believe that? Because as long as you believe that, you're not, you're not getting anywhere. You are inevitably going to, your, your behavior will always inevitably default back into line with your beliefs. So we cannot just change our behavior to get a different result. That is the outermost, you know, surface layer of everything, right? We just are taught. We're even taught this by like habit experts and, you know, people that are like, go for your goals, yada, yada. Just if you want different results, you have to change your behavior. A hundred percent. Yes. Right. But in order to change your behavior long-term, why does everybody fall off of their new year's resolutions? Why is there such a, you know, a horrible rate of people actually sticking with things? Well, it's because we never actually get to the core the root of the issue, which is changing our beliefs. Because underneath our behavior, every behavior is motivated by a feeling. Every feeling is triggered by a thought. And every thought is rooted in a belief. And those beliefs have been ingrained into us totally involuntarily, right? You didn't ask for these beliefs, but they've been conditioned into you since the time that you were just a young child, right? The good news is that you can rewire your brain. And I've already mentioned, you know, that I have a whole class about that, but this is the work that I help my clients to do. 
So clean up your own side of the street first, and then you can be a neutral, safe space to listen to your partner and help them to process through their fears. That way, when they bring it up, you can actually be like, you know, that's such a good point. And I actually was worried about that too. And I've done a lot of inner work on this and I've talked with somebody about it. And, you know, here's what I've realized for myself. This is how I'm going to approach it. Yes, I completely care about the message that this could potentially send to our young daughter. And, you know, I plan to address it in this way. You know, I'm not going to ever say mommy can't have things like this. I'm not going to ever say mommy's on a diet. Like any of those things that my mom said to me growing up, it's just, I'm telling her, I'm trying to eat foods that make my body feel good. When I eat that food, it doesn't make mommy's body feel good. So I'm treating myself good. I'm practicing self-care through the food that I eat. And how do you feel after you eat this food? Like, And just teaching that to your kids. There's a different way that, that you can go about it, right? So you can actually be a, a neutral, safe place to listen to your partner, to validate them and their fears. Kind of like how I validated my five-year-old daughter. Like, oh my gosh, yes, I would feel afraid too. Every other kid in your class is feeling afraid too. And I was afraid on my first day of school. And here's how I processed through it, right? So that's the first thing is let your partner be a mirror for you. Use your partner as a mirror and clean up your own side of the street first. Clear out your own fears first, okay? So that's the first tip, the first piece of advice that I have for you. Um, The second piece of advice that I have for you is don't hide, but do know your audience, So when you are keeping it a secret that you are starting this new way of eating, when you are doing everything that you can do to not come out right and say, right? So you're just like, I'm just going to like eat differently and I'm just not going to eat the starch at dinner and hope that nobody notices or that anybody says anything to me, whatever. When you hide, you send yourself the message that you're doing something wrong or that you're unworthy. And worst of all, that you cannot be authentic and be loved at the same time. And we learn this as children, right? And so we have a need for authenticity and we have a need for belonging and love. And at some point when we're children, we realize that we cannot have both or we start to believe that we cannot have both because of the experiences that we had in our early childhood, usually with our parents or with other authority figures or kids at school or whatever. And it's like, oh, I have to choose. There are things about me that are apparently unlovable right? And so I need to hide those parts of myself in order to still belong, in order to still be loved. And every child will always choose to belong over being authentic. It's just human nature. The The need to belong is so strong because it's so connected to our need for literal survival, life and death. Like, especially, you know, with our ancestral roots, like if you did not belong to part of the tribe, you are dead, right? And so have compassion for yourself that you have prioritized being belonging or approval over your own authenticity. And you can start to change that because that's not even true love or true belonging, is it? When you're not authentic, you actually block the intimacy that you desire from your partner by removing the possibility. We all want to be authentic, like to be truly seen for all of who we are and to be truly loved unconditionally. And when we hide any part of ourselves, we actually block that possibility. And that is the essence of self-sabotage. But it's, it's um, adaptive, right? It's, it's supposed to be helpful. We're trying to serve ourselves. We're trying to help ourselves by doing that, by manipulating the situation in a way so that we can actually still get our needs met. But we're still left wanting. We're still left lacking. We're still feeling empty. So we realize this is, 
This is supposed to be an adaptive response, but it's actually a maladaptive response. It's actually blocking what I truly want. So the only way to fully belong and to fully be loved is to stop hiding out, to be your true self, right? So I say, don't hide, but do know your audience. So you do not have to hide any part of how you eat. It's just how you eat, okay? But do know your audience. So if somebody is not interested in all the things that you are totally nerding about, nerding out about and that you are learning so much about and you're so excited about and you care so much and you're finding all these cool new recipes and you're learning all about blood sugar and you're learning all about how it wasn't ever really your fault. It was the food's fault. And you know, these damn corporations are making so much money off of these things, right? You're like, this is what you're learning and this is what you're so excited about. And your partner doesn't want to hear it because they're not interested right? That's hard. I do know it's so hard. So do know your audience. Like you don't just want to keep going on and on and on and putting something in somebody's face, hoping that the more that you share this with them, that that's going to cause them to change, right? So when I say do know your audience, what I mean is be respectful of yourself and be respectful of the other person. So just that, you know, I'm not going to force something on somebody that they clearly are not interested in or that they're not ready for yet, that they don't want yet, right? So why am I really doing this? Well, I'm trying to change them too, because I'm afraid that if they don't take care of their health, then I'm not going to have my needs met, right? Maybe they're going to, you know, die before you want them to go. You know, like you're, you're afraid, you're ultimately afraid. So recognize that that's what you're doing. Um, if you're trying to, you know, kind of push somebody or force somebody to learn about something or to do what you're doing at the same time that you are, and that that's rooted in fear and have self-compassion, but know your audience, be respectful of their pace and that they're just not interested in all of that right now. And at the same time, it doesn't mean that you need to hide it. You do your thing, but you don't need to push it on anybody else. And also it's respecting yourself because what happens when you keep putting something out there that nobody else is interested in? You feel hurt, you feel resentful, right? So just don't keep putting yourself in that situation. There will come a time and there will come a place when everything that you are learning about, you are going to use that to help other people. I promise you, there will be other people who want what you have because results don't lie. And maybe it will be your partner someday and maybe it won't. But the, all of that excitement, you know, just start putting that away. All of that information that you're learning, just start putting that away because nothing is wasted. It is meant for more than just you. It is meant to be shared, but know your audience, right? The next tip that I have for you is don't ask for permission. Do ask for concerns and say that you want to overcome them together, right? So you do not need to ask anybody else's permission to eat the way that you want to eat. Literally, it does not impact any other person except for you, what goes into your mouth. And think about how much it does impact you, right? We are so always about putting other people ahead of ourselves, even in something like food, right? Like um, here, a big thing that I hear my female clients say all the time is that they hate wasting food, right? Oh my gosh, I can totally identify, you know, be a part of the, pl- the clean plate club. You know, you're, you're brought up and your parents tell you there's kids starving in China or there's kids starving in Africa or what- whatever it might be. And you get so much guilt conditions with that about wasting food. And so you find yourself, you know, eating your kids leftover food or eating your partner's leftover food or whatever it might be, right? Um, I totally understand. This is just another example of you abandoning yourself and your goals and the way that you want to eat for the sake of other people or for the sake of, you know, some principle or whatever it might be. Um, but 
think about how deeply it does impact you. What you eat impacts you deeply. It impacts your blood sugar. It impacts your self-trust. It impacts your health in the long run. It impacts your energy. It impacts your confidence. In whatever way that other people think that it impacts them, first of all, you can overcome those things together because it's not about the food going into your mouth that is actually impacting them. It's about the fears and the concerns that they have about what all of that means, right? And so don't ask for permission. You don't need to say, hey, is it okay with you if I start eating this such and such way? You don't have to ask for permission. Say, this is what I've decided to do. I, I know that you might have concerns about that and I want to hear them and I want to be able to work through them together because this is something that I've thought about for a long time. I've researched it. It's really, really important to me. I am so tired of you know, not having my health, not having my energy, not having my confidence. And I know that if I start to take care of myself in this way, I'm going to be the best version of myself for everybody else in my life, including you, including our kids and whatever. But but do say, you know, I know you're going to have concerns about it. And honestly, I've had a lot of concerns about it too. I've already done a lot of processing on all of my own fears and all of my own concerns and how you feel deeply matters to me. And I want to figure out ways to overcome them together because I know there's a way for me to both care about myself and care about you. They don't have to be mutually exclusive. So I want to overcome those things together. And then whatever those concerns are, probably a lot of the things that you know I've given examples of or things close to it, you've already cleaned up your own side of the street out on that. And again, you can say, yeah, you're right. Like That's totally a valid point. I've thought about that too. And here's how I know that we can overcome those things together. Okay. Another tip for you, don't promise your partner that you won't change. This is a big one. Your partner is probably going to be afraid that you change the way that you're eating. It's going to change you you're going to become a different person. And that disrupts the balance of the relationship. Completely true, completely normal to be afraid of, right? Anytime somebody disrupts the status quo, it does affect other people directly in their circle. It's like, oh, okay. So maybe it is like, yeah, you're not going to eat X food anymore. So does that mean we can't go to X restaurant or we shouldn't even say can't? Um, but that we won't be going to X restaurant anymore or that you won't be going to X restaurant anymore or that we won't be eating X food anymore or that you won't be eating X food anymore, right? So like, yeah, you can be like, I am not going to eat pizza crust anymore, but we can still as a family order pizza on a Friday night and I could scrape some of the toppings off. I could order a salad with some grilled chicken that they happen to have on the menu. I could order... um, you know, buffalo wings or whatever. So we can still eat at X restaurant, but yes, I'm not going to be eating the pizza crust on that pizza any longer. And just say what you what you will be doing, but also make it really clear how, you know, that doesn't have to affect you. I totally understand that you think it affects you, but like the only reason it affects you is because what are we making that mean? Are you feeling bad for me that I can't? Because please don't feel bad for me because I don't feel bad for me. Like I'm good. Like I don't feel like I can't. I feel like I don't want to. And I've just made peace with that, right? So please don't feel bad for me. And, you know, are you afraid that it's going to, you know, take away some of the shared intimacy that we're having, like the sense of belonging? We don't have to eat the same exact foods in order for us to have quality time together. Our, our presence is quality time. The good conversation that we're going to be having is quality time. And I'm actually so confident that I will be a better person to be around 
when I'm not eating food that I know is, is just making me feel like shit, right? Like that I'm not feeling guilty about the food that I'm eating. I'm going to be so much more present and I'm going to be such a better conversationalist and all of those things, right? So you can help to, um, overcome those things together. Um, you're not going to promise your partner that you, that you won't change. You're going to give them a healthy dose of the truth is that yes, you are going to be changing your behavior in some ways. And when you change your behavior, ultimately it's because you're changing your beliefs. And so you are changing, right? But you're changing in a good way. You're changing the same way that your baby changes every day of its life. You know, like at first your baby doesn't walk and then they learn to walk and now they're getting into everything. <laughs> your baby can't talk or, you know, doesn't know how to talk. And then they, then they learn to talk. Like growth is our birthright. Growth is a completely natural human process and grieving someone, someone changing and someone growing is also a completely normal, natural process. Think about your kids. Like you miss those baby days. Oh my gosh. I, today, when I dropped my daughter off for her first day of first grade and said, how on earth do I have an elementary school girl? I love her so much more today than I have ever loved her in my life. The more she changes and the more she grows, the more she becomes herself. I love her more and more and more. And I grieve when she was a baby. <laughs> I grieve the little things like giving baths every night instead of now showers. I grieve, you know, being able to pick her up and throw her up in the air. And now, you know, she's just too big for me. And, you know, I have some lower back pain and things like that. Like, of course you grieve those things, right? There's this beautiful quote by Heidi Preby. And she says, to love someone long-term is to attend a thousand funerals of the person that they used to be. And she says the same thing about loving yourself long-term. To love yourself long-term is to attend a thousand funerals of the person that you used to be. It's, they go hand in hand. Love and grief goes hand in hand because as we all continue to evolve and as we all continue to grow, yeah, there's little things that we will miss. There's little things that we will look back on fondly. It's not the same anymore. And it's just because growth is a natural part of life. Just because somebody changes, it doesn't mean that change is bad or that it's worse. Actually, it's always better. So instead, you know, don't promise your partner that you won't change. Don't say, no, I'm not going to change. Don't worry, I'm not going to change. What you're doing then is you're just saying, you know, to my, that'd be me saying to my daughter, there's nothing to be afraid of. Say, yeah, I totally understand that you're afraid that I'm going to change. And I feel afraid too. I feel afraid, you know, that our kids are changing. I feel afraid that I'm changing, that you're changing, right? But what, what is there to be afraid of? There is something to be afraid of. The, the thing to be afraid of is that you're not going to have your needs met, right? So recognize that that's what it's really about. No, I can't promise you that I'm not going to change. I am going to change. And so are you. Instead, what I can promise you and what I do promise you is that I will love every single version of you that ever exists. The person that I married 17 years ago is not the person that I'm married to today, nor am I the person that he married, right? But I have loved every single version of him and he has loved every single version of me. And I will always love every single version of him until the day that death separates us. If death does separate people, I don't know, <laughs> right? But to love, promise to love every version of each other and to always meet each other's needs, that's what I can promise to my partner. I will love every version of you and I will do my best to meet your needs, whatever they may be, 
of course, this is within reason. You know, you can't meet someone's need that they are unwilling to meet for themselves, right? People need to communicate what their needs are. They need to be self-aware, right? You can't do that growth for a person. But anytime my husband brings something to me and says, hey, you know, I'm feeling this way. When you do this, I feel this way. My request is this. I say, of course. If it's within my power to do and it's not detrimental to me or harmful to me, then of course, of course I will do that for you because I love you and I will always meet your needs. So that's what you can promise to your partner. Don't promise that you won't change. Instead, promise that you'll love every version of your partner and that's what you're asking in return and that you will always meet each other's needs. So there's also something important that I want to share with you guys. Um, And that is that you don't have to change anyone else to get what you want. So you might be thinking, so this is about, this is a big obstacle. I have an unsupportive partner, which really means that I have a partner who's afraid. So I need them to stop being afraid so that I can do what I want to do. No, that's not true. You don't have to change anyone else to get what you want. So when I say clean up your stride of the street first and then be a neutral, safe place to listen to your partner and help them process through their fears, yeah, you do that. You try that, right? But ultimately, if that is unproductive, if they're not ready, if the conversation doesn't turn out the way that you want it to, it doesn't mean that you don't get to do what you want to do, right? You still go ahead and do respectfully what it is that you want to do. And you just ask for what you want and you ask for what you need and you allow space to them for them to ask for what they want and to ask for what they need to keep the lines of communication open, right? Um, so relationships are, imagine it's you and the other person and you're looking at each other and there's a space in between you and there's a pillow on the floor in between you. And the pillow is the relationship. The pillow is the space between you. So I cannot ask my partner to stop being afraid. What I can ask my partner for is not to be openly critical, not to, (laughs) whatever it might be, not to um, make it a big deal or not to say certain words, not to say certain things that discourage me, whatever it might be. I can say, hey, when you say this or when you act this way, um, you know, I feel this and here's my request, right? So some things that I want to normalize and, you know, make, make sure that we're being really clear that certain things are not normal. Um, so your partner being afraid is completely normal. Your partner asking questions and voicing concerns and even complaints is completely normal. So complaints are just requests in disguise and you, it's not your job to be the complaint interpreter forever and ever, right? So, but you can have compassion, especially when your kid is complaining, right? If your kid is complaining, really there's a request in there, right? And you're their parent and your job is to teach them to grow and to help them to self-regulate and to help them to learn how to be a better communicator, right? Because you're the parent and they're the child. That is not the case with your partner, right? But you certainly can, you know, try to help them grow. And, but really what you're doing is primarily you're asking for what you need. So if they're continually complaining, you can be like, hey, you know, I really care about how you feel. And I know that when you're complaining about such and such, that really there's a request in there. I'm hearing you request this from me. Um, but if you could just say it differently, if you could just come right out and and say, hey, that you're upset about this and this is your request, that would really, really help me to accelerate the process of being able to meet that need for you. 
because when you're voicing it as a complaint, I instantly get defensive or, you know, I feel angry, whatever it might be. Um, but if you could just say, you know, exactly what you need from me or exactly whatever it is that your request is, that would really help me out, right? So what that is, is that's not asking for your partner to change. You're asking for something in the relationship to be negotiated. You're asking for something on the pillow to change. So I'm not asking you to stop being upset about what it is that I'm doing. You're allowed to feel angry. You're allowed to feel disappointed. You're allowed to feel grief. You're allowed to feel annoyance. You're allowed to feel frustration. You're allowed to feel fear, all of those things. Um, But my request is that, could you say it to me this way? So that's saying, I don't need you to change. I just need what's happening on the pillow to change, right? So I want to normalize all those things. Um, And I've been through all of this myself um, with my partner when I first started eating keto back in 2013. And of course, it was so many of these things, so many of these things. Um, You know, I just don't understand why, why are we doing this now? Why can't you just count calories? You know, like, how is this going to be different than every fad diet you've ever tried before? Totally like losing some of the things we love to do together. How much is this going to cost? Are you going to get obsessed with this? Are you going to get obsessed with how you look? Are you trying to be attractive for someone other than me? Are you going to leave me? Are you going to be cooking two meals every night? You know, are you going to be judging me? All of those things. We didn't have kids yet at the time, but all of those things were things that he was very afraid of. Um, and his, here's something that is not normal and is not okay, but it's also something that I experienced. Being made fun of, being told that you're not allowed to, like, no, I'm not okay with that. I don't want you to do that. Like, you're not allowed. I'm not, I'm not giving you permission to do that. Like, no, no, I don't want that. Like, that you're wrong that you are selfish, that you are stupid, that you don't understand (laughs) science or food or how things work. Like all of those things are not normal and it is emotional abuse. And my husband and I have been through so much in our journey together. I know that he's okay with me sharing this now because that's in the past. We've been through marriage counseling together. We've both come a long way. Um, But I experienced those things and I understand how hard that is. Um, And all of those things are still a sign of the person just being afraid and they're simply using fear and force to try to get their needs met. And it's likely because that's what's been modeled to them and they feel like they need to be powerful, big and scary in order to try to get their needs met. So that's maladaptive, right? It's blocking the intimacy that they're actually craving by making themselves like an enemy of the person that they really want intimacy with, right? So it's maladaptive it's not normal. Um, it is emotional, emotionally abusive. It's not something that you need to be a neutral, safe space for them to process in this way because it's actually unsafe for you. So boundaries are key here to create and to maintain your own safety first. So take space, refuse to have a conversation when a person is treating you that way, request the space on the pillow, like to say, Hey, I totally understand that you are allowed to have your own emotions. Um, you're allowed to think that it's stupid, but my request is that you don't call me stupid or that you don't call it stupid, right? So request how you want to be treated and ask to revisit when that person feels safe enough within themselves to be a safe space for you. And if they don't, or if they're unable to do that or unwilling to do that, if that never happens, um, then I really recommend reaching out for professional help. Um, It's something that we did and it's something that helped a lot. And there's always hope. Um, sometimes you do get to the point in the relationship where you've exhausted all of your possibilities and you do need to set 
a distance boundary that actually involves changing the terms of the relationship, right? Um, that's a last resort. I know you don't want that. And I don't want that for you. And I would never offer that as a first resort. Like I'm in a loving partnership. It means the world to me. We've exhausted all possibilities and we've seen a lot of success when we've, when we've exhausted all possibilities, right? So definitely have hope if that's where you are today. And as long as you continue to enable that by being, uh, you know, just giving in, caving in, saying, okay, whatever, like, and all of those things are very valid trauma responses from you that I want you to feel compassion for. Um, and you reach out for help, right? If that's what you're, if you're just continuing to cave, not sticking up for yourself, you feel like you don't know how or that you can't, you get professional help. Like I started seeing a therapist long before we ever started going to therapy together. Um, or, you know, working with a coach, somebody that actually has the ability to help you with those things. All of those things exist, those resources exist, and there is hope for every single one of those situations. So I know we're ending on kind of a heavy topic here, but really what I hope that you'll take away from this is a lot of compassion for yourself and a lot of compassion for your partner. That if they are being unsupported, they are not your enemy. Usually they love you, right? Usually, like 95% of the time, they love you so much and they're just totally scared that they're going to lose some type of intimacy with you. And they're going about it in a really maladaptive way by complaining, by being resistant, all of those things, right? So you can, with compassion, see the request inside of the complaint, see the unmet fear that is behind um, them being resistant or unsupportive. Biggest thing is ask yourself, am I afraid of those things? Use it as a mirror, clean up your side of the street first, Try to then be a neutral, safe space to help your partner process through those fears to explain, yeah, I've thought about all of those things before and here's why I can't just do everything in moderation. Here's what I've learned. Like some people are abstainers, some people are moderators. Here's what I've learned. Some foods are literally impossible to moderate because they're designed to light your brain on fire, right? Here's what I've learned. Like it's not me. There's nothing wrong with me. It's been the food. And so I'm going to change the food instead of trying to change myself. Like whatever it is, like you've got to go through that growth yourself and learn those things and feel confident that you believe it yourself. And then you really can be neutral and share it with somebody else. You don't need them to accept it. You don't need them to believe it because you believe it. All that you need is for them to <laughs> not be an obstacle, essentially, right? And for you to say, you know, hey, whatever it is that is creating an obstacle for you to you getting your needs met about me doing this thing, like, let's talk about that and let's actually work through those things. Because maybe you feel like the obstacle is, you know, we're not going to have quality time together if we're no longer going out for blizzards on a Friday night, like Dairy Queen blizzards, right? So, but it's not the blizzards that are creating quality time. It's the drive to wherever we're going. It's the conversation that we're having. It's some type of a shared experience together. Could we do another type of a shared experience together? Maybe you both like going to concerts. Maybe you could do that. Maybe you are watching you know, a, a movie together and talking about it afterwards. Maybe you're listening to a podcast together. Whatever it is, like that you can still have quality time and it doesn't have to involve that particular food, right? So there's always a way to still get the needs met without you sacrificing yourself. Those things are not mutually exclusive. So that's what I hope is your big takeaway from today. And again, remember, I'm here for you. If you need a coach to work through some of these beliefs to help you rewire your own brain first and to help you work through some of these obstacles, I would love to work with you. Um, reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn. I am at the Keto Fit on all of those um, channels. And then you can also... Um, 
send me an email to theketofit at gmail.com. You can put a request form in on my website. We can do a completely free curiosity call. I would love to give you some really tactical, tangible help and advice, either with keto strategy, with mindset help, whatever it might be, that I want to give you actual assistance on that call. And I will tell you about coaching and how I can um, really be a a help and a support to you long-term to help you reach your goals. So also I have that mindset class. This month it is called Rewiring Beliefs and it actually helps you to overcome self-sabotage by getting to the root of what your beliefs are and changing the beliefs so that long-term your behavior will change and naturally flow effortlessly with ease. You know, it, it comes out of your, when you change your beliefs, then your thoughts will change, your feelings will change, your behaviors will change, and your results will change long-term. And just instead of you always white knuckling it and falling off and starting over and over again, that is the key. And I would love to help you with that. So you can sign up for that class at bit.ly slash self-care keto class. Thank you so much for listening. Like really, really, it means the world to me that you are a podcast listener. I love doing this podcast. I love getting to deliver some long form content to you. And I'm just so honored that you are listening now 45 minutes in and that you're getting a lot out of this. And when you guys reach out to me, on social media and tell me like, oh my gosh, I'm binging your podcast. I love it so much. Like truly that means so much to me because, you know, it's super cool that like I'm helping you, right? That like I would, I love this so much that I would do it for free. And this podcast is free, right? Um, And I would love to enter into something deeper with you by supporting you um, in a deeper way through coaching or through you taking one of my paid classes or something like that. But even if you never do, it means so much to me that you're spending your time with me, whether you're listening to me in the car, on your way to work, if you're on a walk, if you're just doing chores, whatever. Um, If you would share this podcast with somebody else, man, that would mean so much to me. And if you would leave a review, a rating and review, especially on Apple Podcasts, um, that really, really helps the podcast to grow and for me to reach and be able to help more people. And if you leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and you send me a screenshot, I would love to thank you by giving you a free copy of either my self-care keto holiday guide, which I can't believe the holidays are right around the corner, or my self-care keto restaurant guide, um, which helps you to... um, know exactly what to order at 41 different types of restaurants from fast food to fine dining, all of those things, um, and to navigate uh, not eating keto and and how to have a planned deviation and what to do with all that. So I have two different guides um, that I would love to offer to you, your choice, whichever one is most interesting to you. I'll send that to you completely for free. If you leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and send me a screenshot, you can send it to me through social media, or you can email that to me to theketofit at gmail.com. Let me know which guide you would like, and I would love to send that to you completely free. Again, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic week, and I'll be back with you next week.